0: Welcome to Frock Flicks, the historical costume movie podcast. And we're back here, and I'm Tristan L. Bass, your host with... Sarah Lorraine. Kendra Van Cleve. Yes, our original Broadway recording cast is all back together again. So I'm doing
1: jazz hands. Yes. And, and this is very important because although the last podcast was fabulous, if I had been there, I could have corrected you. that Hugh Grant was not in a room with a view. Did I say that? Somebody said that, that was her. Was it? Wasn't okay. me. There's Our... incorrect information being promulgated. Okay, well, I have
0: no no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> uh, anyway, so for the, for the few of you who listen to these sequentially, you might have a you don't know, know what we're talking about. For the rest of you, you know, wise up. Um, today, it was an Easter egg oh yes. yeah so go back and find yeah that. that's the
2: thing how come nobody corrects us in all of our bullshit we never get anybody calling us out on our bullshit and are you like, just
0: not listening that closely i think
1: that's what it is i think it is, yeah. I think it is. they're I not think checking it. the footnotes they yeah burn. really books with pictures <laughs> <Seriously,
0: people. laughs> so today we're going to podcast about little women um one of the five filmed versions of this um, book by Louisa May Alcott, this one is the most recent one, uh, 1995's version starring um, an all-star cast. Um, who would like to, to share a little bit about the film? The cast? Uh, the, the, just the background of the film, that sort of stuff.
1: Uh it's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> it came, it so it came around 20 years ago.
0: It's, it's a okay. 1994 film starring <laughs> Thank you, Tristan Susan <laughs> Sarandon, Winona Ryder, uh, Claire Danes, Kirsten Dunst, and the and Trini on... Alvarado. Yes, yes. yes. Trini the sadly Alvarado. underused yes. Trini Alvarado, because she's super um, pretty and really good, and Christian Bale and Eric Stoltz and like, Oh, I have a theory. A ton of other so, like Christian Bale. Oh, and is... Gabriel Byrne and Gabriel
2: That's Burns, it. but Christian Bale was like the it boy during yes. this period. You know, he was in newsies he was in was it newsies yes yeah yeah well i don't know anyway he was in all these like movies when he was was a young young man like in his late teens early 20s In there were you're american movies head.
0: what sorry you're jumping in well i just want to say like all he right. has
2: this he has this ability to make me think that he's pretty much boning every single girl in the cast and all of these movies that he's in i'm just saying okay Not so, Dunst, so
0: anyway Dunst, hope. hope to Wait, god yeah, no no because that was <laughs> so Definitely. Jumping a little bit into the movie ahead, I just want to oh. give the background, basic background of the film. So it was directed by um, Gillian Anderson, uh, who was uh, apparently a big, um, well, is still one of the big female directors to come from Australia. <laughs> she directed one of
1: Kendra's favorite films that I still have not seen. Which I'm going to make you guys see in I podcast. Know, I know. My Brilliant Career, oh, which yeah. anybody who is a female and at all literary must see or I will hurt you. Did yes. she
2: also do Oscar in the Sundance? Yes, she did. I was gonna oh. say. Yes. There's another one that's got lovely did she costumes. she do no, And it's depressing mind. as hell.
0: Yeah. So, um, very, very uh, renowned director mm-hmm. amongst, well, us, apparently. And maybe some <laughs> of you. Um, it was also costumed by Colleen Atwood. Well, uh, then that's why they're so good. Exactly. So, <laughs> Not done. sad. Podcast done. <laughs> off, uh, who... Is uh, who is tied with Sandy Powell for uh, the most Oscar wins for Best Costume uh, of any living person. Um, obviously, there are you, dead I was people gonna say with more. A good head? <laughs> no, of living people, not alive. Living people, but she's alive in my heart. Yes, well, there she, is she that. lives on. But <laughs> they both have three Oscar wins, um, and uh, I know uh, Colleen Atwood has ten nominations. I think Sandy Powell may have ten nominations. Anyway, they have they have a shit ton of nominations, and they're pretty much.
2: I mean, they're not not necessarily interchangeable, but
0: they're both really well-known for doing incredibly detailed historical costumes. They both have range like nobody's business. Science Mm -hmm. fiction, fantasy, historical, modern... You name it.
2: Hey, if you ever want an internship, Colleen Atwood <laughs> or Sandra Powell, like, contact us. Yeah, because,
1: like, totes. an intern,
0: we will totally be your interns.
1: We will, like, you know, fill your coffee like
0: nobody's doing. Oh, it. my God. We'll empty, put... gar- empty the wastebaskets. Oh, the, you know what? You I'm, know, I'm a pro everything. with the shredder. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I love shredding. Um, so, Colleen Atwood specifically is also well-known for her collaborations with Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And so this film came out in 95. She'd already done Edward Scissorhands with him and Ed Wood and would later do... Sleepy Hollow and um, uh, Alice in Wonderland which she won an Oscar for so you know she has some major cred
1: uh, anyway so that's a little background of the movie and I course... have one other bit which I know that's uh, I remember reading that Gillian Anderson decided to cast Susan Sarandon as Marmy because she saw some footage of Gillian uh, excuse me of Susan Sarandon at uh, some kind of protest um, with her kids oh, and okay. and uh Jillian uh, Anderson thought that that perfectly captured her sort of uh, progressivism yes. while also being the consummate mother kind of thing.
0: Which is perfect because perfect um, the... Susan Sarandon is just, she's... She's, she's the
2: She is pretty much a badass and also her, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Her, like, her public profile lines up with sort of these character roles that she takes that yes. are very progressive, feminist, you know, fuck the establishment. Right. But really kind of
0: pithy characters too. She's a man. She's a fabulous actress and yeah. I'm a fan. And,
1: and li- a redhead.
0: And a redhead, yeah. exactly. And Little Women is based it's a semi autobiographical novel um, by? by Louisa May Alcott. Pulpished and her in ish
1: 1868 I think um 60s or early 70s I would say uh, did, 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 did,
0: um you know I have I did all this background on the book and, and <laughs> you don't, don't have really she read here. the
2: wikipedia I,
0: article Bullshit! no I read the annotated version with an introduction by Elaine Showalter who is an amazing oh, yeah. highly respected uh, feminist nice. literary current, yeah. critic uh oh so it was originally published in 1868 and 69 in two parts yes. um, that ended actually uh, it, the first volume ended uh, kind of halfway through pretty much after Beth dies
1: um, before dad or just but, when dad comes just back from Pat, the war yeah
0: and um and she was actually had intended to end it there and then she and then she got a lot of people writing like, what happens what happens I'm like oh crap I have, to write, I have to write more of this shit basically um, which is how she felt about it it's totally movie. how she felt about it because um this, she thought it wasn't very good she, she thought it wasn't going to sell well yeah, she thought it was yeah. going to be oh she had been asked by her publisher to write a girls novel and um, a domestic novel. Uh, which were at the time sentimentalist, um things that were only read by women. Here's and... how
2: you here's how you piss off a feminist. <laughs> you know, take them aside and say, like, you know, all this like writing on women's rights and equality and stuff like that, that's all great and everything, but you know what would really sell is like this fluffy little cutesy story about these these young women who are you know becoming little women and are marrying and having you know drama in their interpersonal relationships and uh,
0: okay I mean I'd imagine she probably looked at that and was like gotta pay the bills okay (laughs) <laughs> and and you know it's not like I mean, a lot of the things that she had been writing were sensationalist you know kind of pot boilers penny dreadful type stuff but they were places where she would write about kind of crazy women you know who who were you know adultery and incest and and doing all kinds of stuff that had much more agency than perhaps the little women um might seem to on on the on the surface although as we will discuss there's a lot of kind of strong feminist and egalitarian tones that are almost, that are just boiling under the surface of Little Women. Absolutely. And, um, which... That makes it a very complex novel and film, um, and which is why it resonates and it has resonated with women. I mean... Every generation every has generation. their version of the film, yeah. basically, since film has existed. And one of the things that yeah. Schalter points out is that it was, it was hugely influential on people like Simone de and, mm-hmm. and and stuff. And so generations of feminists have found something in this... To You're, either
2: love or hate. To love or hate or
0: both. <laughs> or both, yeah. Or at the same time. Yeah. I think in that regard, I think the story is
2: very, you know, it's very much a, a you can tell the conflict of of the two spheres of the, you know, early feminist uh movement in the story of where, you know, the the March family girls, the the women in the March family are very much, you know, outsiders to the these the what is the the word? mainstream. Mainstream. Yeah. They're kind of on the fringes of the mainstream with their ideals about education, about you know how you how women should be. Um, women should get the vote. Oh my God! Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and in the movie yeah. they even mention, of course, they make the mention about the corsetry. Like you know, there's this little speech that Susan Sarandon, Marmo's right. character, makes to a neighbor. Saying you know well yes of course the girls are super active because we think that it's good and healthy for them plus the corsets and yeah. you know making them they, they shouldn't sit at home yeah. sewing
0: and wearing corsets. And Tristan will talk about yeah that. well I, I, <laughs> that is, there's some yeah. things in the movie that that line and also the line um, it's a few lines in the uh, ball scene where May, uh, Meg goes to mm-hmm. um, this fancy ball and 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 there's some lines about silk and you know well, it's made by you know slave little, labor slave labor yeah um, which I think are. I get why they put them in, because it, it sh- it's further showing the difference of the March family from all the... The establishment. The, the establishment, basically.
1: And further clarifying their politics as exactly. the, the real March family. Yeah. Or, the, excuse me, the real Alcott family. The real Alcott family,
0: family really. Which is um, this is sort of a fictionalized autobiographical yes. novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Alcotts were... They were suffragists. They were abolitionists. the Transcendentalists. The Al- the Transcendentalists. The Alba... The... the Alcott's parents both worked on the underground railroad. Um uh, Alcott's mother was one of the first um female paid social workers in Massachusetts. Um but those particular lines irritate me because they're very modern. They're very um of course these women wore corsets. There's nothing in the book about them not wearing corsets. I mean the, the book is full of, you know, the things about them, you know, wanting gloves and silk stockings and, you know, the little bits that they had you know they were they were aware of a new modern you know contemporary fashion and stuff. So there's you know also
2: these women were uh, I mean the, the characters the girls are so young at this point that you're you're at the point where you're looking at the characters and I think they range in age from twelve to sixteen yeah. uh, when the book starts and of course when that comment and the movie is made it's within that first part of the book when they're all under. Kind of under the uh, quote unquote adult age, they wouldn't be in like the fully boned adult corsets. I mean, if they would be wearing anything, it would be those light, lighter uh, you know children's corsets or something like that. You know,
0: well, and going to a ball, yeah, too. and then going
2: to a ball, you would wear something. You you know, like when you wear a strapless dress, you wear a strapless bra. Yeah, you know, it's not like you wear a strapless bra every day because you're probably crazy if you do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. So, so I can see the, why they put those lines in there, but they're they're bordering on like eh, this is not really historically accurate. They're making the modern audience understand why this this family is a little different and outside the mainstream of their time ish. But yeah, it's kind of a, it's a little stretch.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting how much retro appeal it has. Um, and I, this is a book that I loved, uh, and I can't remember how old I was, but definitely growing up and reread multiple times. And it's interesting because it has that sort of Victorian throwback, and yet these little bits of sort of progressivism, feminism, sort of woven within, and so it kind of hit two, mm-hmm. two hit two bells for me. Definitely, yeah. it's interesting that it's yeah. that it's. I mean, still has such resonance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, re-
0: I read it as a kid, but then I read it in college and grad school in in feminist theory classes. So, um, yeah, it totally has both of those. Well, things and going here's forward. my
2: here's my uh, percep- perception of it. When I was. You know, this movie came out probably when I I was about 17, and... I had never read the book until 2006, 2007, when we had that Greater Bay Area Costumer Guild event that oh, we all dressed yeah. up as the, uh, the. I was I was Amy. I was Joe, and she and I was Meg. <laughs> yeah, and the best was that Sarah,
1: as Amy, showed up with a clothespin on her neck. Oh my god, said, I forgot. I that. loved that you. So I was like, I'm so sold on this girl. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of when we
2: were all in our NASA, you know, and I sent like early stage of our our mm-hmm. BFF, dome, yeah. and so we were that all was kind was of so establishing cute. this. But and I guess I won Kendra's heart because I completely forgot about the clothespin. That's hysterical. Uh, no. I just remember I was doing sketching too. I did that yes, yes, sketch sketchbook. And, yeah. and I also remember looking or thinking I looked totally hideous in my little cotton frocky dress that my mother actually helped make because I was in the <laughs> middle of finals at the time and I just yeah. couldn't be asked to do it. But I was going to say, like, I never read the book until, you know, my adulthood because, because I had, when I was going through that period of, you know, your early, late adolescence, teenage um, mm-hmm. part of things, like I really rejected this whole idea of, <laughs> You know, my assumption of little women was that it was gonna be another little like me peppin' And I didn't <laughs> want to read that. I wanted like True Grit, blood and guts. I wanted to, you know, something I yeah, could sink my teeth into. And <laughs> I had, I had read, you know, a few years prior when I was about twelve. I had read Gone with the Wind and loved it. So it's hysterical to me that <laughs> but then, when this movie was 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 coming out and it was gonna, you know, totally targeting my age group and mm. you know my demographic, and I was all about like rejecting it because it wasn't gonna be feminist enough for me. <laughs> only to go back and read it as an adult and go, oh my god, you know, yeah. I was yeah. way off the mark. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so
0: so so a little bit more mm-hmm. about the the movie how do we yeah. think the movie compares to the book in that respect um, I thought the book was so much more rich and so much more yeah.
1: Well, but it's but for but for a book uh, adaptation yeah you still think, for an adaptation
0: yeah.
2: I um I remember again since I read the book only about well less than 10 years ago I haven't reread it since then mm-hmm. but I was really I remember being really captivated by the book And not expecting to be captivated. Mm -hmm. And the writing, Louisa May Alcott's writing is incredibly accessible and it's very gripping, even though she's telling this, you know, assumedly very topical fluff story. Um, And she does have a way of weaving in all of these sub themes that are more gritty and and nuanced and not over, you know, not being overwhelming about it. And Mm -hmm. I think the movie was a little bit heavy handed in those areas, bringing those issues to the forefront um rather than having them kind of just you know woven in as part mm-hmm. of the story and part of this complex tapestry of who the marches were and and who they
1: were in society and how society reacted
2: to their crazy
1: beliefs (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I would especially Uh it's been a while since Mm -hmm. I've read the book I'm sure if I read it again I would find the book better because Mm -hmm. who wouldn't right but I actually think it's pretty successful and I think that as I'm sitting here listening to you talk I think one of the things that I like the most about the story in general is the four different personalities and characters Mm -hmm. of the different sisters Mm -hmm. and I feel like the movie really got that Mm -hmm. now you can, you will be shocked when I tell you I have a few quibbles with Winona Ryder as Joe. Yeah, but if you haven't
0: listened to her rip on our on I, our Dracula podcast. I, please go and do that right now. I may not be
1: a Winona fan. <laughs> I don't hate her, but I think I, was, I think she's too. A, she's too pretty for the role. Yeah. Uh, cause once she cut, cuts her hair off, she's still pretty. I don't know. And then as her one, always, her one beauty, her one her beauty. One beauty. <laughs> um, I used to feel that way about my hair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still feel that way. Oh, Tristan, your hair girl is growing back. And it's beautiful and curly. Yes. But anyway, right. I, I think I, it's, I always feel like conscious that Winona Ryder is reading lines mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't feel with any of the other actors in the movie. But that being said, I feel like they really got the essence of the different character, the characters, and uh, that's one of the things that always really charmed me again, were these four different yeah. characters who at different times you could identify with or, or, you know, like be like, oh, that's like me, or I like that, or I get that. And, 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 and they sort mm-hmm. of, they, they change. Like I was talking briefly with Tristan mm-hmm. before about how Meg is an interesting character to me because she's very much the conventional female and in a way she really wants a lot of the same things that Amy does she wants to fall in love and she wants nice things but then she ends up marrying this poor guy um, for love For love, yeah. and sort of matures past that um, although I always hated the bit in the book which they didn't put in the movie mm-hmm. where she kinda gets her comeuppance where so she does all this shopping right. and spends all this money they don't have and then has to confess confess it to her husband and of course he's very understanding in a fatherly sort of way and essentially yeah. like garnishes her her allowance or something like that okay. as i recall and of course she's horrified she's done it blah 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 blah. anyway i'm rambling but well, i do think that well, those those, four, well, those gonna, four characters can i, can I ma-
2: mention about the four characters and you sort of going back into like how they've affected previous generations of women um my mother was the youngest of four sisters, and they all had a, a character in the book that they, you know, <laughs> my mother being the youngest was Amy. She, yeah. um, Beth, I think, was my. Uh, she was the second youngest, was that right? Or was she? Yeah, yeah she she's was the second a, youngest, and that was my that I was my Joe, aunt Candy. I mean Joe was my, <laughs> you know, yeah. Joe was my aunt Cecily, yeah. and Aunt Cecily, man, she's she's the. Please, I hope she's. She's listening to this because Aunt Cecily was the black sheep, you know, she ran yeah, off, she, she went, she, she never had kids, right. she, she married, but, you know, never had kids, and then ended up running off and teaching in Japan and being kind of like this well, really cool person. Yeah. And then, of course, my old the oldest was the more conventional anime who got married very, you know, young and had a nice big family and all this. And so, yeah, it was really kind of interesting to see how they all latched onto these character archetypes in mm-hmm. their own, and this is in like the, you know, 50s and 60s when they're coming of age. So, yeah, every yeah. generation kind of... Well, well and
0: I think, too, the, the great thing with the, the four different mm. characters, even, you know, having read this book at various points mm. in my life, you mm. can kind of under You can grow with it, in a right. way. I mean, not to sound cliche, but you can identify with different characters at different points in your time, yes. in your life, and you can see yourself, you know, as a woman, at different stages in your life. You know, bratty little Amy, uh, you know, when she just wants everything, and I want everything pretty, and I want... And, you know... I thought Amy I, as a child was way more interesting than
2: Amy as an adult, especially totally. in the movie. Especially in the movie. Especially in the movie. And number, yeah, one, number one, it's Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst who has so much, you know, charisma in and, like the interesting, pinky interesting
0: point. Yeah, this movie came out a month after. She interview. The, the interview with the vampire, mm. which so Kirsten Dunst, man, this, yeah. this was her breakout uh, year. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. And she's she's got um, so much charisma and talent she, yeah. that she
2: really brought to the this kind of simple little silly role for a yeah. little girl, and she really yeah. she really <laughs> made it and big. You did. Whoever played the more the, the, the teenage version, the yeah. grown up yeah. version, it's
1: Samantha Mathis. Who I is actually it seriously, it is yeah. no way. Oh, pump up the volume, Do No, yes, no. Yes. Yes. I kept looking at her and thinking, like, God, she looks so. Yeah. Here, but never I never really, like. I, I, I like her as an actress yeah. and I think she looks great and I think that they maybe went a little heavy handed yeah. with the suddenly Amy is redeemed and I'm not even sure like she's somehow she's redeemed by marrying, you know, Lori, Laurie. the rich friend and it yeah. and I don't know. I, I always found know. that was and
2: that's the thing in the movie I found really forced. And I didn't really notice it so much in the book. It didn't seem as forced in the book, but yeah. well, but there's that the two halves of the of, uh-huh. of the, the novel, you know, the two parts yeah. that were eventually combined in the one novel. And she when Amy grows up in the movie and then Lori comes back to her and is all, Hey, I'm super, you know, sleazy boy, frat boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> on his little gap year in France, and, yeah. and she's all. Ah. I don't think so oh, and he's like oh I better yeah, like clean right. up my act go impress her that just did not that not I mean I was reading I was watching R-E-S-P-E-C-T. the movie S P E C T. yeah so I was watching <laughs> the movie The you know especially the first time a couple of years ago when I first watched it and I remember thinking like, I'm shipping I'm totally shipping for Joe and Lori." I'm like the chemistry between the two yeah. characters and the the way that everything is written and well, I really but, want the two well, of so them well yes. yeah. yeah. so did everybody yeah. everybody
1: that's part of the reason she wrote in yeah. the, the second half was because everybody assumed people that Joe Went to yes,
0: Alcott but, saying, Oh my god, are know, they gonna marry? You of know, course, and in fact, know, of course, mar- they're you know. gonna get
1: married. And, and she, and she yeah. was so horrified at such but a conventional had... ending for yes. Joe but, that but, she that was one of the reasons she wanted to write the and, second. And then don't book. write
2: them with so much, you know, so much. I know hopefully. if you don't want them to end. It's like it's like Harry Potter and Hermione, you know, yeah. it was like, Why? If you have that so much, so much chemistry between those two characters. Specifically,
0: okay, <laughs> okay here's like a oh, quote. quoting. Quote, Alcott resisted the pressures of the standard, standard marriage plot. Quote, I won't marry Joe to Laurie to please anyone. Um, and Joe should, she, at first she writes to a friend that Joe should remain a, a literary spinster, mm-hmm. but so many enthusiastic young ladies wrote to me clamorously demanding that she should marry Laurie or somebody that I didn't care. Or someone. Did, that I didn't dare refuse <laughs> and out of perversity went and made a funny match for her.
1: Yeah. See, that just uh, and, and that's interesting because... I, I expect vials
0: of wrath to be poured out upon my head, but rather enjoy the prospect.
1: <laughs> well... Uh, she's trolling all her. Right. She's, she's, yeah. She's I'm t- gonna t- pour, pour a little vial of wrath because, yeah. yes, they're so well-suited together. It certainly, in a way, almost is played up more in the book that it's like Lori's settling for any part of mm-hmm. the family yeah. since he can't get Joe. But, and and Professor sounds... Bear is okay. just too old! Okay, like so, million so, two years things. You, you hit,
0: uh... Kendra just hit on one thing that is totally true and is played out well in the movie that that Laurie... Really, just wants to marry into the March family. Period. Mm-hmm. He, he, he says he so. the, the, the maid Hannah. He, he or whatever. says yeah. so in the movie. Is uh, that actually repeated in
2: the book, or is um, it just an add? I didn't look that yeah. part. Um, but
0: but he, he confesses to. But Amy. he confesses to Amy, and Amy's like, you know, no, you just want to marry into my family. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I really don't. No, it's you. No, it's, it's you. you. It's you're, totally you. You're a special no. Star, no like, I mean, okay, so
1: I, uh,
2: I admit but, that it was. It was what he actually said. Okay, I'll come back to that. But I want to say that what his actual statement was, you know, when he's confessing his. Like, yeah. hey, I, yeah. you shouldn't marry this wanker that you're going to go off yeah, and marry because marry... he's got 40000 a year, yeah. but you should consider me because I love your family. You know, yeah. I've always, I, you know, I hate, I hate Meg's suitor or Meg's husband right. because he mm. has Meg. I yeah, hate, yeah, I hate whoever Joe's going to end up with. I, if Beth had a lover, I would hate her. Yeah. And I hate the hell out of this Frederick guy or whatever yeah, that you're about never to marry. Yeah. Because the only thing I've ever known in my entire life was I was supposed to be a part of the Marsh, Marsh yeah. family. And I'm like, that is a weird
0: thing for someone. That's to like so weird. That is so weird. It on is. multiple levels. Yeah. yeah. It's totally so weird. anyway, you were gonna say. So okay. So that He's is talking. My family, that honestly, yeah. wake makes more sense in the in the in the movie. Um, and then the other thing, why it it makes at least the movie kind of makes more sense. Um, there's two reasons actually why why um, the match with Bear makes sense for Joe in the movie. I, okay, I'm maybe the only fan here of Gabriel. Burns. <laughs> no, Byrne. you're not. No. Okay, but I, I don't get I, him. I, I
2: love Gabriel him. Burns. This is Sarah on the record. Gabriel Burns is like one of the sexiest men who's ever walked no! the face of a No. Let me finish. Except for in this movie, he looks like an old man, and it's he, so weird. He is supposed to be an old man, but he, he wasn't. He, he, when he this looks movie... like he has a colostomy bag. Yeah. He, God, was, he was. He like Kendra. forty. He was forty when this movie I know, came but out. He's but to... he looks.
0: Like he's hundred and fifty. Okay, he <laughs> <laughs> just looks like he's a hundred, He just looks mature. Anyway, especially compared I like, to why not a writer's like yeah. Just, and then with yeah. you know, okay, can, can I just? Well, we need a speaker's list. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> okay, I got the talking. I got the talking stick. So yeah. let me let me explain Joe's marriage because here's what I think. Aside from okay, so yeah, yes. Alcott threw out that line about wanting a perverse match and you know she wrote that to a friend and I, I think part of it is true but part of it's her just being you know a little snarky because you know she doesn't want to just marry Ma, marry her off to Laurie because that would be expected and she doesn't want to just write it expectedly you know she doesn't want to do that um, but also here's what she really wants to do too she's going for a transcendentalist egalitarian marriage <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. Kendra and I are over here. Look
1: at the kittens. Look at the kittens.
0: <laughs> I know I'm losing these guys, but podcast people, please bear with me. It's it. This goes back to the the Alcott family uh there there her father was huge in the uh, in the transcendent, transcendentalist movement What with, is the transcendentalist movement So Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau um look them up there's Wikipedia Who are these people Uh they are big <laughs> American writers uh poets philosophers uh Well the,
2: Thoreau wrote the famous uh, Walden, Walden on Walden Pond Emerson, or Walden Pond.
0: Um, Emerson wrote like a million shit, shit ton of shit, things, yeah, Both with words. poetry and philosophy yeah. and that, et cetera. Um, they are kind of the American version of the British romantic um, movement, uh, very much taking kind of religion and melding it with um, naturalism, um, kind of like, mo- just boil it down, like modern new age without as much woo-woo. Uh, <laughs> I think we're pretty woo-woo about that. They stuff. were kind of woo-woo, but yeah. not like, you know, crystals and shit. Um, <laughs> they still, you know,
2: they still had like the mediums
0: and the, yeah. you know, contact with yeah, the dead. But and... they, they really, they thought basically, you know, God was in nature and nature was God. That's, that's a really super reductive version, <laughs> like super reductive. But they were highly spiritual and less churchy. There, how's there's a super mm-hmm. mega reductive Thank you. um and so alcott um the father brandon, I think was his name um was uh-huh. was super he was a great philosopher he was kind of a shitty homemaker and and you know breadwinner provider he, um, yeah. and provider he he couldn't hold a job to save his life i mean but he was he was he he was really a great philosopher apparently, and he was really into. Uh, Well, he did a lot of writing that was apparently kind of crap, but uh, he was really, he was great friends with Emerson. Um, They hung out a lot. Uh, Emerson was a great idol, um, or was idolized by Louisa May Alcott. And so this, this philosophy and all uh, that permeated their home. So...
2: Did you know, I found out
0: that their, their
2: house that they bought before uh, Orchard House, mm-hmm. which where yeah. which is based on the the, the, the book, it yes. bases the March's house on, yeah. and actually I think it had to have been filmed at actually at Orchard House, because it looks dead on exactly like I the was, one in no, the movie.
0: No, there's a... It, but anyway. Yeah. Oh, anyway,
2: but still, it looks yeah. very much like the actual Orchard House. Um, was the house... That they owned previously, yeah. that was like near next door, was actually purchased by Nathaniel Hawthorne, another yeah. literary yes, great, definitely. who then allowed the Alcott family to, you know, to rent yeah. the house. While, rent free? Was that Well, one no, the, well they uh, they okay. were rent, they this said they were renting. Um, from Hawthorne while the orchard house was being renovated okay. and Hawthorne's family and him were in London on some yeah. appointment by the government. Uh,
0: and, oh, yeah. and the, the elder Alcott ran a utopian society for a while that failed. Mm. Uh, as everything.
1: Inter- integrated school in Boston. Yeah.
0: Everything yeah. he did failed.
1: Um, but, but he but tried. He, tried.
0: <laughs> he was really big at ill, I'll try anything. Oh, yeah. I'll be a vegan for a while. I'll, I'll you know, right. run they a school for a while. Yeah. I'll do this for a while. He was, he was, he was really dilettante. Yes. Maybe a teeny bit.
1: <laughs> well, but he committed to his dilettantiness. <laughs> yes. Well, and here's the other thing, too. I mean, so those philosophies yeah.
0: I, I, are really what, you know... Alcott seemed to have been trying to give at least one of the little women um, something
1: of... The men that she, she was raised around. Yeah. Well, and that she respected and yeah, admired. She, now, yeah. the, I think the problem, though, for me is that she's respecting and admiring, essentially, father figures yeah. and yeah. teachers. and And so, A, I have a problem with the age gap between Joe and yeah. Bear. But even more so because... Joe is supposed to be this independent thinker and blah, blah. And obviously she has lessons to learn. She needs to grow up. But then she meets this guy who it feels like the dynamic is he's going to be her dad. He's going to teach her. He's yeah. going to show her the way. And I do feel like, it, to some degree, Louisa May Alcott yeah. planned that and or intended for yeah. him to be a teacher figure to her. And of course, that bugs the feminist in me because well, he was a professor after all. Well, Exactly. <laughs> and there was but a little bit of
0: her not measuring up to her own father's standards because right. he was a, he was a harsh taskmaster to Alcott her, herself.
1: Right. But, but I would rather, of course, that Joe. Learn these things for herself, or from a woman, or what you know, yeah. whatever. Like, do we have to have dad come in and teach yeah. us the way? And and that's
0: that's where lies some of the the modern twenty first century sure, feminist yes. looking well, back at the nineteenth well, century. I think,
2: I think Alcott was also feeling that sort of same thing, but could not at that point actually give voice to that issue that she was caught in with the having to have the father figure in in the in the form of a suitor uh, telling Joe what she should be writing. And it felt to me like the, mm-hmm. that Bear was included in that or was created to embody that father figure role to tell Joe, to guide her in the direction of, you know, the character was writing romantic, um, gothic horror kind of stuff. It was getting, you know, a little bit of traction public published uh, in, in here and there in, in mm-hmm. newspapers and magazines. But... Here's Bear, who's telling her, you're so much more, if only you would truly write what you know. And of course, she, her character says in the very beginning, it gives advice to Beth at one point and says, you should never write what you know. You should yeah. always just rely on this imagination because the imaginative world is so much more magical and amazing and wonderful than your day-to-day Drudgery, And right. so she was very much into writing this kind of, you know, fantasy world. Yeah. And this is Alcott as well. Alcott yeah. was a romantic writer. She yeah. was of that romantic Gothic movement, maybe a little bit too late for Gothic, but yeah. definitely on the romantic side of things, which was, you know, very much in these well, kind of fantastic she'd, she'd, she'd
0: stories. She had read Bronte uh, right. Gaskell's history yeah. of, of Biography yeah. of Bronte and and you know dreamed of being you know the American Bronte right and and kind of fantasized that we are the Brontes. So,
2: but having having <laughs> you know? the uh, yeah, she was kind of the American Bronte, I guess. She wished think about it. Yeah, she, you know. she wanted to be. But then you think about this character Bear, and then he comes in and he's he's Daddy, and he's telling Joe what to do and how to live her life. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it really bristled. Anyway. Oh no! I was, no, just, go ahead, Kim, I no. was raising my hand. But um, do you need the talking over. stick? I might need the talking okay, stick. Right. Um, I was just going to say it's interesting to me, again, in line with all of these things we're talking about, that to my mind, both for sure in the book, the most successful part of the book is the first book. Um, I'm not positive whether or not it's the same for me in the movie, but that there is no father figure. Dad's mm-hmm. off at war. Yeah. And that it is a story all about women yes. and what a strong character of course Marmy is. And Part, I mean, I just adore her character because she has both that. That incredible, loving mother, caring part, but also smart and expecting her daughters to live up to that. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But it's interesting that it's a community of women, mm-hmm. and then that the second I one... relate to that so much. I know. <laughs> totally. I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, it's... in fact, that
2: the three of us well, so sitting here have all had like you yeah. know, single mothers or mothers that were far more involved. Yeah.
0: With you know us as, as daughters, and then, yeah, the yeah. same way. Marmy and was and with that's us, one of the key, you know, feminist parts yeah. of this book is that and why it's been so influential to women. From the very Mm -hmm. Mm get-go is that it is a strong community of women, um, you know, making a go of it for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, a man comes in and tells Joe what to do at the end, but only... Oh, but he's right,
2: though, and she becomes successful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but only at the end, and also telling her what to do, but it's telling her to tell her own story. Yeah. So and, I know, and, and, you're right, you're right. But and, still, and, and so you know was... she had to change his colostomy bag oh, on yeah. the wedding night. No, no yeah. she was feeding him porridge, you know, oh, wiping his chin. So... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, I think those small things there still no don't undermine the yeah. overall, you know, this is a woman's story not about like... women doing yes. as much as they can to be their own Independent creatures, you know, not independent in the sense of you know they all get jobs and go out into the world and you know,
2: but self actualized But
0: self actualized They're full. They're fully realized characters with their own hopes and dreams and ambitions. And I think that the least and lives.
2: And of course, the least yeah, realized. They're of not all those. just
0: somebody's wife. Yeah, or the least realized daughter. of all those
2: was Beth. You know, who, who yeah. is ill and has to like consign herself. And I guess one of the one of the um, the essays I was reading about the book uh, was mentioning that. You know, the character of Beth, basically... And I didn't really get this in the book so much, but I can see, you know, kind of maybe if we were going to really be, you know, reading into it heavily in an analytical kind of way. Beth's character is... Going through a stage of accepting, you know, that she's ill, that she's never going to move outside the home. Yeah. Her world is this very insular world yeah. that she's never going to reach this, like, level of potential that her sisters are going to reach. And, of course, she has to reach this acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. But Then she dies. <laughs> and, and maybe, okay, yeah. here's a
0: stretch. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that is in some ways the acceptance of the ultimate female role in mm-hmm. that she never leaves the home and she accepts that. And if you accept that, then you die. Oh Get okay. It everybody. negates dun, dun, dun. the self! Yes. She negates the there's self. There's no agency so in that. She death. has yes. <laughs> if you if you <laughs> ex- if you accept the ultimate no, female role. No, there's only role. the male gaze. If you accept the ultimate, <laughs> female, role, <laughs> ultimate female role, you will die. So uh, uh anyways but, Hey, what about the costumes? <laughs> oh, no, i was gonna say <laughs> what about the costumes. So I'd
2: I'd like to talk about some of the you know the costumes to me that one, the one dress. Most of this film is kind of a snooze fest because uh costume-wise, unless you're really into you know, Butter cotton training. prints. Yes. <laughs> You're into cotton prints and, and you know, a little bit outdated, not so decorated. Uh, well, but I would say I think that,
1: that they did a very good job well, of I mean, showing that it was... It some was... people are into that. I'm just saying that some people are into that. I <laughs> no, am not
0: one of them. <laughs> no, neither am I. And yet, I think
1: I think I for I like, for example, you could tell it was just teetering on 1865 yeah. with the round waistlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they were very much costumed appropriately yes. to their station. They weren't wearing rags. They weren't wearing, you know, brand new silk gowns. Yeah. brand new ball gowns yeah. all the time. Whatever. I think they did a very good job. The hair is pretty without being overdone. Yeah, but I blah. blah, to blah, blah. No, you yeah, don't get. I, yeah, no. you totally no. jumped
2: in no. on me. Who I has? did, Who but has has I, talk- I
1: think nobody has the talking Ow! stick Violence <laughs> is inherent in the system. Yeah, I just tweaked Kendra's nipple. I just thought that we I, should talk about the like they general, and then now we get to... Okay, support. I was
0: getting there. She's not into... She doesn't follow the... the well, shut up, you guys. There's no rules. <laughs> the rules don't apply here. Anyways, <sighs> the point is,
2: yes, this was this overall look that was very you know important for the characterization <laughs> of these characters who are not wealthy, et cetera. And I was going to mention two things. One thing was that you see this periwinkle-striped ball gown Reoccurring or it's like kind of a kind of a day gown, um and it's reoccurring. It comes in on Amy in no, a- Amy.
1: No, it's Meg. Starts off on, it's Meg. As Meg's dress. Meg's dress.
2: She yes. wears it in um, at the scene where she gets told by her friend, "Oh my God, you're wearing a day dress. <gasps> That's gaspy, And oh, it's I haven't seen that color since the war started, and you're so outdated and old-fashioned. And then it comes up again. Um, I'm forgetting the second time you see. Amy it. Amy
1: wears it once they've transitioned. Yeah, they've and the then Amy, to being older. And then Amy's wearing
2: it again right before she goes off to like France. five years later. Or something. Yeah, and so and so I liked it in that regard that mm-hmm. the dresses and there's also. Uh, during the Christmas scene, the the dress that Joe is wearing um, when she burns Meg's hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, And she's doing Meg's hair and then burns it and she's got this, you know, iron burn or something on the back of the dress. So she's got her back against the wall at the ball and everything and that's very early in the movie when during the Christmas scene when um, they decorate the house and surprise Beth as she's brought down the stairs. She's wearing that same dress that, you know, so the dresses are being handed down and in the movie you see them going through sister to sister to sister. You don't see a lot of that but you do see some of it and I thought that was a really nice touch. So the other the other costume. Do you want me to jump ahead, or am I am I breaking the protocol by jumping ahead and talking about my favorite costume in the film?
1: I'm handing Sarah the talking stick. Thank All you. Right. I have the talking okay. stick, which by the way is a remote control,
2: yeah. uh, <laughs> Um So my favorite costume is one you see for a split second, sitting down, and it's on Great Aunt Aunt March, Great Aunt March, when they're in France and um, Amy receives a letter from Laurie saying, "Don't marry that that schmuck." Uh, and I'm going to London to make myself into somebody that you'll respect by making lots of money, um, you just see Great Aunt March sitting this beautiful lilac-colored, um, it had to have been silk file, um, fail, file, I never know how to pronounce it, file. file, okay, yes, <laughs> all right, you know, it's one of those words you always see written, F I F A I L L E. anyways, it's this beautiful kind of 18... 18- Early 1870s kind yeah. of ball gown, and I wish they didn't cover her up in you know a lap dog and sitting down all hunched over because that thing looked freaking gorgeous, and I wish we could have seen more of it.
1: But which, all movies are improved with addition of a puppy. I guess. And, or a and she's a they had old lots lady. of kittens in this movie. They yes. did have kittens. They did have
0: kittens in this movie. Yes. I approve, which so. is accurate to the book. I did uh, for I specifically like the costume touches that were from the book because that that really. Char- it's charming to me. Like the iron burn. The, the iron burning um, uh, Meg's for... curls. Oh, um, so the, stained the, the stained gloves. The, 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 the stained they gloves. Help. They were shown washing those mm-hmm. out. The burn skirt. That whole scene for, before the, the first ball they go to, those are all straight from the book. Even some of the lines um, are. Which is awesome. Um, and then there's the, the scene where um, Meg is going to the fancy party with the snooty people and they're all sniping on her. Um... And she gets dressed up in that fabulous I,
1: dress when I don't normally get excited about mid eighteen sixties. Yeah, I actually that really like really that pretty. one. It's this oh. kind of
0: pinkish and it's it's where it looks like something that's in a yeah.
1: I, I think I've seen that one in, it's, in a it's really it. it's, well it's trimmed beautiful. and I feel like it's the the fabric has this amazingly it heavy weight. Yeah that you can it just feel it's feel like it's, oh, but it's, it's not a silk satin. No, Honestly, it is I it's like a taffeta. It's a oh, taffeta. Tell, it's
0: a moiré almost, or something. or something. But you can it's just so feel rich. It's,
1: like, it. Like yeah, it has this richness. And then her hair and it's looks got, huge, deep, and got these huge, deep, deep, got great inverted great earrings, inverted and great earrings that has earrings. she has. This great little bum
0: pad on her. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and I and I do not like that era at all. But I love well all these. And the thing is,
2: all the actresses have like that perfect figure, that long-waisted but very slender figure for this era. That doesn't look like any of us who look like you. You know, two molds of ice cream, one on top of the other. I <laughs> how the, I always feel. Thanks. Sure, you said that to me. You know, <laughs> no, that it's I didn't. A, the, the straight waist always makes you look like oh, you don't look, you don't have that waist definition when you got well, the straight sure. waist I and a big like bust lactating. and a huge and a huge skirt. Oh, God. I'm totally dissing you. I'm, I'm like, hey, we said this. <laughs> Clearly, we're in a confrontational mood, to, mood today. Anyway, point okay. is, I don't find the 1860s flattering. I've heard other people allegedly don't either in this uh, room. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny that, but <laughs> rumor has it. <laughs> I just never
1: said the two lumps of ice cream thing. I wasn't directly... I was giving a little, you know, a, a description okay. of how I feel about okay. how like, two lumps All of right. ice cream... All right. so anyway. let's... Okay, any
0: other... Uh, so nobody's mentioned um, the the peachy bustle gown.
1: Kendra, you like a peachy. bustle Come on, somebody talk about Amy. That. Amy wears a peachy bustle gown that's really really pretty, and you don't see enough of it. Um, and also a really nice. I almost want to say it's like it's gray or white with the black suit. embroidery. It's yeah. like um, the back when, top, both when yeah. she's she grown was, up and in France. Although we were agreeing that we thought that the peachy dress, while well, fabulous, is a. Uh, it seems of... a little late yeah. for. It's supposed to be like 1868, 1868-69 and it looks more like eighteen seventy-two. But, but, it's but that's more quibbling, and yeah. they're just trying to show uh, time passage and all right. that. Right, and
0: also that you know she's in France, and they're all
1: fashion forward. And, and then of course there's yeah.
2: the uh, Laurie with his like whores walking in the garden and they're all in like ball gowns which yeah. is a little weird but they're French whores so, like, yeah. but, but they're
1: very interested in art oh yeah totally, yeah, totally interested in art, in right. art. not, right. not right.
2: just Laurie and his Yeah, because yeah. I have to say Christian Bale
1: was pretty oh. Oh. who here did not have a crush on Christian he's Bale he's so dreamy who did not wait, we just did. We did. who we did oh, I'm sorry okay. we
0: raised our hands but I'm, I was doing yes. that whole reverse question yeah in, don't do reverse psychology yeah so was there any costuming we didn't like
1: no i mean again it's hard to get excited about all of the sort of butter churning dresses but i agree that i think they're really yeah they're they're very well suited they're nicely made i love that i agree i love the hand-me-down thing yeah all of that they have lots of good layering they're wearing knitted sauntags which are these sort of wrap things that are look straight out of goatees. yeah and all you know
0: know, like in the various scenes of undress you know they when when they're in their Nightgowns and they've got rag curlers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it all looks right. It just, it, yeah. It, it may look, you know, butter turny but it looks right. Absolutely. You know, they yeah. all look good. Um, I will, and, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think
2: of oh, the menswear. I, you know, I'm always a big fan yeah. of like 18, honestly, as much as I hate the 1860s for women'swear, I think like 1860s menswear is super sexy. It's that well tailored fit. Yeah. Um, it's getting more into the sack suit era, so it's less fitted than than like the previous, you know, thirty years, uh, forty years of, of fashion. Um, but. I thought they did a really good job again with just you know the tailoring of the menswear. Um, even though there's not a lot to say about it because you know black suit, black, black <laughs> men's, f- suit, frock men's suit, suit, you know. <laughs> okay, Lori wore a gray suit one time. There's a few fancy was nice. waistcoats. Yeah, but, um, but I, so yeah, I yeah. thought they were beautifully made. I yeah, really, you know, but then again, this is Colleen Atwood, and so yeah, like, we it's, expect it's this gonna level be of
1: yeah. <laughs> quality. So from it. I'd be surprised yeah. if anybody could find anything to quibble, except I, maybe that peach ball gown being a little late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really, it wasn't a
2: ball gown; it was. Da- oh dress. Dress. yeah, was yeah that was the, again, that was but, in that same scene as the lilac dress. yeah was the ball gowns were on the horse. yeah,
0: yeah, sorry. um well, so uh yeah, I the costuming <laughs> we're all good about the the issues we have are more with the source material in that you know some parts are more feminist than others, and some of that we're seeing through. Later eyes and right. the period.
1: And why Winona Ryder? Again, I know at the <laughs> she time. She was the girl. The at one the one time, was time all she the was the it girl. No. All that stuff, but I just, she just to me well a okay, Kendra's got issues I have issues but if nothing oh well, she's you too are pretty yeah. she's too pretty
0: to be Joe. well who uh, would you know. have
1: thought would have been a good well show I for don't know era? well
0: Catherine what? Hepburn played Joe in in the but Catherine Hepburn one. is a handsome woman she's yes. not beautiful
1: yes you know I don't think Winona Ryder is beautiful either oh, I, I think, think she's, she's pretty she's yeah. pretty because yeah. yeah. she's little and delicate and yeah. I don't see Joe as being little and delicate I think that's I issue. think Maybe we'll-
0: Catherine Hepburn, when she was younger, especially if you've seen pictures from, mm-hmm. and I've seen that movie, but I haven't seen it recently enough mm-hmm. to make. Accurate comparisons, but she looked freaking gorgeous then, especially the you know think of the lighting and stuff. Come yeah, on, well, it's a movie I mean, star thing, and, and yeah, like, you're yeah you're
1: never gonna, you never gonna have a movie with a lead actress blah blah. blah. But again, never I just a wish. I wish that well, they shouldn't be homely. But again, like I can think of again, it's like here's an example. If you have seen Death Comes to Pemberley, mm-hmm. Anna Maxwell Martin right. has a gorgeous look. No, that's I can see yes. more, and she
2: plays. Lizzie. She plays Elizabeth she Bennett, plays Bennett which
1: I think is genius casting yeah. because Because Elizabeth Bennett
2: that... is not supposed to be a so That's beauty. TV, She's TV not the too.
1: That I, Kimberly? Yeah. That was T. Right. V. Right. That is a serious So right. I, I and it's also I, they're a not going to do propaganda that. Propaganda. Yeah. This this I just feel like Winona Ryder would be like casting Kira Knightley now. Oh, exactly. Oh, totally. Well, they would. She was the uh, Kira Knightley of twenty. Years. I know. This is, <laughs> this is an all-star Keira Knightley production. Knightley would be all wrong. This is an all-star I production. Nailed, I think they nailed. I think they. But everybody it. else is perfect. right. I said they
2: nailed the casting on all the others. Absolutely. And whatever. I think you know Winona Ryder is she's a competent actress, but I do think she was and shoplifter.
1: Yeah, she's kind of like
2: she's kind of like a Robert Downey Jr. In that regard, she got off the rails in a really funky way, yeah. and I don't know if she's ever really come back onto the rails the way Robert Downey Jr. was able to.
1: But soon, soon she will be maybe. Iron Girl. Yeah, maybe she'll
2: maybe she'll get picked up by Marvel, and they'll make a bunch of really awesome superhero movies. Go. She'll be a- the next that's Wonder apparently
1: everybody's uh, re-
0: re- but, resource. But I was gonna re- I was gonna back. say
2: though that that for this era, I mean, she was kind of the duh choice to play this yes. character for yeah. that. And I'm trying to think back, like you know, who else was contemporary that a wasn't in the movie playing another character, yeah. and b could. Have, could have been a better Joe. I mean, if you have I, any suggestions, podcast listeners, yeah, I actually tweet us at yeah.
0: post on FrogFlicks mm-hmm. on Facebook, or just you know, po- post on the, on the Make pod- a podcast. about. I it. love on the both podcast. Claire Danes yeah.
1: and Trini Alvarado as uh, Beth and Meg in their respective yeah. roles, but I actually could see either of them being a more successful Joe to me. I could
2: see Trini But Arado, I have to yeah. do
1: the random thing okay. about one of the reasons I like Trini Alvarado is she was in this Terrible movie in the eighties called Satisfaction with what's her face from oh, Family Ties. What what is Family Ties? The the um, shit the sister. Oh the, the older uh, sister
0: the, the yeah. dark hair, uh, dark hair. Not Justine? Not Justine? Tina Justine, Justine Justine. Bat- Bateman. Bateman. Yeah,
1: and they're they're in this girl group. Uh, but no, like a rock band and oh god they, I gotta watch this and they job, go Kendra and has the I know and, and, and
2: this is Kendra <laughs> living the dream totally. the movie and <laughs> in 1980
1: <laughs> 1980- the idea of being in a this in a rock girl group. rock band yeah exactly and yeah anyway. oh yeah i was yes. on it too all right. yeah. oh that That's was like a dream fabulous so, yeah no <laughs> this Whatever. is my personal tie-in oh, that is uh, a tie-in all right and liam neeson's in it and it's really, really bad yes he's the love interest so it's he's, called
2: satisfaction now i gotta watch this all right it's so, so, terrible is so
0: if you watch that also comment on our blog what? or on facebook or on twitter Frogflix rockflix.com and we also remind want to remind you to um review our podcast on itunes have we any gotten any reviews um i don't know Feel free to review. Actually, I know we have. Um, we could use some more. Yeah,
2: and actually tweet us too yeah. at tag us on on Twitter because you know, we the thing is is we We're, we're not, social
1: media whores. We
2: are social media whores, but we're also in this for like the communication and the engagement. And yes. this is where you We know, want to hear from you. We want to talk to you for God's sake. So you, fucking post something. Seriously. Correct us. Yeah, tell yeah. us we're wrong for God's take,
1: sake. Take sides in our argument. Yeah, tell That's us we're right. all full
2: of shit and we don't, you know, we don't know jack Tell me shit. they're
0: full of shit. That's Tristan. Thank you. Tell
2: Tristan that we're full of shit. Yes. Tell me how much
1: better the podcast is now that Kendra's back
0: yeah tell us how much you love Kendra and you hate tell us which one you want to kick out on the next podcast yeah okay. right fuck yes. Mary kill do that's a fuck right. Mary kill with yes. three of us yes <laughs> totally alright on that note we're going to wrap up um, for do little do we women. have any
2: resources before we uh, wrap up we will up? have resources okay. and we're going to
0: post them on the blog because we're running close mm-hmm. to the time limit on, on this thing okay. I don't want to have to stitch the two together <laughs> um,
1: because that's max of effort totes
0: <laughs> alright guys it's been great ciao um,
1: get the fuck out Bye! Thank you!
0: Okay!